Welcome to We Are DB. I am Brenton, joined as always by Danielle. That's me. And joining us this week is special guest Miranda Sanchez. How are you, Miranda? Hello, I'm doing really well. Awesome. In case you haven't heard of Miranda's work, you might have heard of IGN, which is an entertainment news website with the main office based out of San Francisco uh, that covers everything from movies to video games, TV, comic books. Um, I'd be surprised if you're a fan of one of those and you haven't heard of IGN. So, um, And Miranda, you're a journalist and executive editor over there, isn't that right? Yeah, so I do a lot of reporting, but I also do a lot of reviewing and a lot of assigning. So kind of have my hands on a little bit of everything. That sounds like fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. My work is always very busy and always very exciting. Isn't uh, GamesCon on this weekend? Yes, so GamesCon starts this coming week. Um, I got out of it. I said, you know what, guys? A trip to Germany sounds great, but I need to take a vacation, so <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take a half week and then go on vacation. So, <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us this week as we count up the IMDb's best movies of all time and discuss some of the greatest films you mightn't ever have seen. This week, rated as number 27 on the Internet Movie Database by millions of film lovers from around the world is Spirited Away. Released in 2001, starring Rumi Hiragi and Mayu Inrino, voicing the two leads, who have gone on to be like veteran anime voice artists at this point, Spirited Away is a Japanese animated fantasy film. Produced by the legendary Japanese animated studio, Studio Ghibli, the film is written and directed by co-founder of the company, Hayao Miyazaki. Is that the right pronunciation? I was going to ask you about the pronunciation of Studio Ghibli, because I've heard some people call it Ghibli. I'm pretty sure from what I've heard, I think you hear something different every time. Oh, really? Um, Ghibli is the correct pronunciation, which I okay. say, like, Ghibli, like, forever, but it's Ghibli. Ghibli, okay. sorry. I, I would go yeah. off what the Japanese call it. Oh, no, it's totally it. fine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. It's a weird one. I could also be wrong. Who knows? Depends on who you're talking to. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Um, yeah, I usually go with G is go, but if it's, if it's Ghibli, then it's Ghibli. So this film has gone on to be the highest grossing film in Japanese history um, and has been ever since. It won the Best Animated Feature at the Academy Awards that year, um, making it the only foreign language film to do so even today. So this is the first animated movie that we're covering on this show, meaning that it's the highest rated animated film on the IMDb, rated by the people. So it's kind of a big deal. And I'm glad that we have you on because I don't think that we would be able to do it justice without someone, <laughs> someone like yourself. Because is it safe to say that when it comes to covering Japanese anime and things, you're one of the go-to people over at IGN there? Yes, that is very safe to say. <laughs> How many times would you say you've seen this? Oh my goodness, this is like one of my go-to movies. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, I had it on Blu-ray immediately as soon as I released it. Yeah. Um, it's just like, a, it's a comfort pick for me. So it's like whenever mm. I'm feeling kind of down or if I just need to put something on, like this is one of those that I put on. I kind of got that vibe from it as well, which surprised me because I have never been one who's had an affinity for anime. I know that some people, they're drawn to it right immediately mm -hmm. and I was never really one of those people, but I really like this movie and I can definitely see why... It's one of your comfort movies. Mine is Tangled. Um, our viewers would know that a lot. Um, but yeah, like I got a similar vibe. So yeah, I really liked it. It was cool. 
Uh, the thing with anime, though, it's just there's so many different kinds and so many different yeah. iterations of like how these stories are told. Whenever people are like, I'm not an anime or something, I'm like, mm, you just haven't seen the right one. It's like yeah. you haven't yeah, seen the right comic or that. read the right comic book or seen the right action film. Like it's it's kind of like that. Mm. And this is definitely one of those sort of they call like gateway anime. It's like it's mm. obviously a movie. Like the production's way different from what you would get from a TV series mm-hmm. most times. Um, but it's it's definitely something special. Mm. You said that you liked this. Danielle, because it's very fantastical and you like fantasy a lot, yes. where you, you got that escapism there. Yes. I've always had an affinity for anything that's really, really out there that you're not going to see generally in regular life. So anything with like magic or spirits or, you know, because I really liked and drew a lot of parallels to Avatar, The Last Airbender, in terms of the way that the spirits were depicted mm. and i really enjoyed um both of these you know the movie and the the tv series because of that i think it's an interesting way of depicting you know spirits because i don't know if in japanese or asian culture if there is really a depiction you know like the spirits and ancestors and things have always been pretty important but i'm interested to learn more and see you know like is this just someone's artistic license that they're taking to say you know okay this yeah. is a faceless spirit we're gonna draw it this way or if there's actually um historical input into like informing these illustrations it was really interesting for me to have that thought process and see how it because played out that's the way that i pitched it to you danielle is imagine have you seen the avatar last Airbender series miranda yep absolutely and um there's obviously the the cora one as well mm-hmm. they're both have the spirit world in there and the spirits come in the forms of any sort of creature or animal and there can be sort of pretty much anything. And I pitched it to Danielle because I'd seen this previously. Um, and I said, imagine a girl gets lost in the spirit world from Avatar. And I think that that's very much <laughs> what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that was my cell, right? I'm like, I'm all in. Let's do it. So, yeah. So is that meant to be based on some sort of Japanese lore or something? Because Avatar oh, yeah. obviously came after... Yeah, like, there's a lot of um, the spirits that you'll see are real, like, Japanese kind of spirits or, like, based on, like, kind of generic, like, demons or different kind of ghosts. Not necessarily ghosts, but kind of, like, you get that ghosty feel from a lot of the spirits you yeah. see in this. Mm. Um, whereas I feel like with the, the unique thing with Spirited Away is that it feels like there's a very di- big distinction between spirits and ghosts. Um, so it's like yeah. you have, like, spirits. Uh, are we getting in too much? Not spoilers, I'm guessing, right? want to avoid that. For now. Yeah. There's not really much of a, a spoiler sort of territory in this. Like, how do you... Uh, well, there's some, like, identity stuff. But I think... So, okay, like, there are right. some spirits that are of, like, natural things. And they have, like, yeah. this embodiment. Like, that's the thing in culture, too. Like, there's, like, a lot of different shrines for different kinds of spirits and different things for protection in Japan. And, like, that's that's an actual thing. So, it's not just super far-fetched out there as far as, like, this is, like, a thing of an imagination. It's, like, this is something that was pulled from the Japanese culture and given life yeah. in a different way. So, it's, like, maybe the depictions of them aren't, like, one-to-one with what you would see. Um, but, yeah. It's a creative interpretation of them. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of like that. You sort of see that at the beginning of the movie where they got these these shrines or these concrete statues and things mm-hmm. when they're coming up towards the gates. Um, I'm, I don't really know the culture very well. What what were they? Oh, those were just little shrines. Like, there's, I don't know the Japanese, I don't know, like, Shinto religion super well, um, but there's, like, a lot of, like, Japan's just littered with shrines and, like, different kinds of things for prayers and stuff to different spirits and gods and just okay. people for, like, protection and just for different sorts of things. Um, again, I can't speak to it super well because I don't know the religious side of it all that great, but um, shrines are not unusual at all. 
Yeah, I've heard friends or acquaintances of mine who have been to Japan, they say, you know, you go to the park and you see Shinto shrines all over the place. Oh, yeah. Like, you just, yeah, cross them on any path. That was one of the religions I didn't cover in one of my religious studies courses, um, which I kind of wish I had because it's so different from pretty much anything else, I find. I definitely got a feeling of, like, Alice in Wonderland from this. Yeah. Um, where she just goes through, like, this portal and all of a sudden she's in this and she's experiencing these different things that represent her reality sort of thing. Um, have you ever read Animal Farm or know about that? The George Orwell novel? I have. I had to read that in English class and my English teacher didn't tell me that everything was like a metaphor for things that happened in real life, right? Mm. So that's obviously a very like powerful story there that he told with farmyard animals. Mm -hmm. So everything that happened, it happened for a reason because it was reflecting something that happened in reality. So every time I read something weird in that, I, I'm like, what? Why am I reading this? I don't understand this. But it actually, if you knew the context behind it, it makes complete sense. And I got that sort of feeling in this movie where something strange would happen. And I feel like it represents something. I feel like there's symbolism there, but it's just lost on me. Am I reading too much into that? Or was it just he felt that this looked cool? Or oh. is there like hidden meaning behind this? Oh, yeah. Ghibli movies have tons of symbolism and metaphors in them. Um, okay, because I just feel like it was lost on me. <laughs> yeah, so it's like you found that one, like, what they were calling the sting spirit, which was not that. Um, like, that specific yeah. bathhouse scene is kind of like a commentary on, and, like, a lot of the other spirits, too, are, like, one of the primary ones that you encounter is a kind of commentary on, like, development of pollution? rural land and pollution and just, like, general disrespect for, like, the world we live in. And, like, how mm, that affects, okay. essentially, like, the spirit world. And that's, like, whenever Chihiro comes into this place, people are like, oh, humans, they, they stink. They're disgusting. Like, they just grime everything up. They just muck it all up. Yeah, okay, um, And it's yeah. kind of, in a way, like, kind of a commentary on that, right? And, like, Chihiro, when she comes into this, she's such a brat. And, like, she really kind of deserves some of the, some of the meanness she gets thrown in her way. Um, but then you mm. see how she changes and she, like, you know, perseveres and all that good stuff throughout the movie. But... Uh, but yeah, so like, there's definitely a lot of metaphors okay, and yeah. symbolism. I just feel like that's what it was meant to be trying to do. And I feel like I'd appreciate it more if I understood some of that backstory. But the thing that I love the most about this film is the art and the animation. I think that this is absolutely gorgeous to look at. And I, it's just, it's so colorful. Everything looks like it's like hand-drawn and painted. It's so good to look at. It's because it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, and it's like the yeah. crazy thing too is like there's so many details in every single scene like it feels like it's all filled with life and sometimes you mm. don't see that with a lot of modern anime just be or at least with the tv series and even sometimes movies like movie production is a lot different from doing tv series and um when you have like a big name like ghibli where they're like i'm i'm sure even at this time we're like getting good investments um they have like the time and the artists i'm sure to and like the talent to make this world feel so alive and every scene is so rich yeah. and like you don't have just unintentional stillness right um and which is kind of like a, mm. a technique you'll see in some anime when there's like a, a monologue going on like those just like pans across a still shot um you mm. don't get that here you get life you get shadows moving you get intricate detailed backgrounds it's a, it's just gorgeous mm. well that's the thing that i love the most about Japanese anime as compared to normal westernized animation is it feels real mostly because it'll focus on things that normally animators won't 
put the time into animating or you've got the sound effects of people just like slowly walking you can hear their footprints you can hear their breathing it just it feels like you're watching a movie because those things would be recorded in live action yeah. and they wouldn't be bothered to be animated does that make any sense no, i feel like it, it's much more immersive in these these anime like yeah there's these conversations in the background or there's this one scene toward the end where a bunch of food is falling over and some of the crunching yeah. noises you don't need but they're still there and they just give that yes. extra dimension to everything. Absolutely. I think the detail, like, that's what makes it so enchanting and so alluring is that, like, they put so much detail into creating ambiance in the different scenes. So, like, you feel the warmness of the bathhouse. You feel the coldness of when she's walking down the stairs. And, you know, when she falls down the stairs, it's dark and it's slimy and you can hear mm. water dripping. And um, when she's in the field, like, the grass, the movement of the grass, and you can hear the wind. Like, when you said that, Brenton, I'm just sitting back and thinking about it. I'm like, there is so much richness in each and every scene that I think that's why I liked it so much, too, is because it... You don't, like you said, you don't generally see that in animated movies, and there's just something so magical about it. And the characters, I love some of the whimsical silliness of some of these characters. Did you have any specific line of conversation you wanted to turn to now, Brenton, or...? Um, not particularly, no. I was just okay. going to say that I first watched this, my first year of, of university, I went on a binge where people were just kept uh, suggesting all these great anime movies or TV series, and I watched so much in that <laughs> first year of university. I watched so much Studio Ghibli. And I just, I do get that feeling of that detail that you don't usually get, and it was a lot more immersive. There's a fair bit of crossover as well, I believe, from the Studio Ghibli. You can see the, the, soot, the soot creatures the soot in different, yeah. different ones as well. Yeah, the soot sprites. Yeah, they make an appearance. I kind of like them. I adore <gasps> them. Yeah, they're just so cute, and their mannerisms are especially goofy. Like, after watching Chihiro kind of help one, and they're like, oh, we can also do this too. And you know, I love that. That's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's great visual storytelling, too, because you can see that their thought process just from watching the, their actions. the actions there. Yeah. Yeah. It's clever. Like, it's cleverness like that, that you're not, you're not seeing the thought put through as much in other movies. I think, like I said, there's just, there's so much attention to little things that, like you said, Miranda, that bring this to life in a way that's different. Um, also... I remember thinking, like, because we were watching the story unfold, and how long did we have, Brenton? I think it had, like, 20 minutes left. I'm like, how's this going to wrap up? Like, they've crammed a lot into the last 20 minutes of this movie, and it still worked. You felt like you were at the climax towards the end there, where there wasn't much of a resolution, which I think it wraps up quite nicely, considering that it didn't have much time to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you wanted to get into talking about the characters, we can we can do a spoiler warning. Sure. I really liked as soon as we're introduced to Kamaji, so the I'm gonna call him like the Spider Man. He's the multi armed man who lives oh, in the yeah. basement. The boiler man. Yeah. Um yeah. I thought that was such an interesting creation of a character because nobody else is like everyone else is kind of humanoid form, and he is. He just has lots of arms, which suits his um his function. So he has to, you know, he's an apothecary man, pretty much. Um, but I just I remember thinking, I love this guy. Like he's a grumpy little old guy <laughs> who sleeps in the basement and has all these arms, so he can like you know express himself in a multitude of ways at the same time. And he's got these glasses and bristled mustache. I just I I loved it. And then you see was it Yubaba and Zaniba who are mm -hmm. the twins 
their heads are enormous. <laughs> enormous. Like, just this tiny little woman with this huge witch head, which is, like, I'd imagine if I was watching this as a young child, I'd find her a bit scary. Just I'd imagine it'd be pretty detail. creepy, yeah. Yeah. This, the whole movie is, is kind of off-putting, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's, like, a lot of spooky elements to it. Like, they're just... Yeah. Off-putting is probably a better word. It's not scary, yeah. it's just yeah. weird. But that's, like, the beauty of animation. Like, you can do so many more creative things to convey things as opposed to just having to be limited to what your resources are in reality or with practical effects or absolutely the characters are surprisingly approachable um sometimes they're they're a little off like taken back because she's a human and they're not really used to humans or humans aren't supposed to be there but generally they're like you know this is i'm here to have a bath or whatever so that makes it a little bit less scary i think it would be pretty scary if you're the child in that situation and if it was real you'd be like what is happening um, and the story takes a little turn because she just, she accepts that she has to take a job instantly. I don't know. It's just, it's a weird scenario to be in. I think it's this really nice evolution of each of the characters too. Obviously, mainly for Chihiro, where she's, uh, you know, moving from her home and she's all sad and pouty about everything. And like, she's just a kid. Like, she's a yeah. very stereotypical kid. And how she has to like really show up for this whole event. Like, she has to move and she has to learn quickly. And how she really kind of becomes someone who's a little bit more dependable and like gracious mm. in a way. Yeah. Um, I love that Lynn, like kind of the woman who kind of looked out for her and was kind of her partner yeah. in crime and as far as teaching her things, really called her on that. It's like, aren't you going to say thank you? Like, you little brat. Like, I get you that it's, it's like, obviously she's scared. She's terrified. Like, she just spends, like, the night sobbing. But mm. it's like, hey, these are still people who are helping you, even if they're spirits. You gotta yeah. say thank you. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love that, like, element of realism to it. Like, everyone feels like a genuine person. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. I feel like maybe that was one of the hidden symbolism is is trying to give that message of be appreciative and say thank you to people, even though they could be all different, like people are come in all different shapes and sizes, um, but they're still people, you know? And I think maybe one of the messages is the fact that she's having to move home. She has to change town and it's a completely different world that she doesn't know. She doesn't know anyone. Everything's foreign to her. So maybe it was sort of a representation of her going into this new sort of new town trying to make new friends and sort of things there or yeah i mean that's totally a valid point like there's oh my goodness there are so many rabbit holes yeah. of theories of what this movie's about um one of the really dark ones is like commentary on child prostitution um oh, wow. with ba- yeah that it gets pretty deep as far as like the bathhouse and how um her name's taken away and all this other stuff and like she's working yeah. essentially for incompetent parents and um that's definitely like one of the further of the spectrum Mm. Um, but there's also like on your end of like the of the whole idea is like hey this is like an idea of like her going through this dream sequence of having to adjust to some new reality that's very scary and hard and her parents can't help her with that even though they're there and like kind of doing stuff like she has to figure this out on her own because at the end of the day when you go to school you're going to school by yourself your parents aren't there with you telling you guiding you um and you have to like really rely on yourself to be good and figure it out yeah and they'll make friends along the way and they'll help and protect you like they'll you'll make a little hairband for you and it's really cute so yeah <laughs> i'm glad like you're you've seen it so many times miranda you're bringing out the little details that like definitely were important but i mean because i've only seen it once you know there's so much in this that i'm glad you're pulling out the specific little details because i'm like oh yeah that was really important <laughs> so yeah i have a question for both of you yes sure. what did you think about no face 
I'm I'm still trying to figure out what his deal was, right? Because when he's outside of the bathhouse, he's very timid and doesn't like doesn't speak. You know, he makes sounds, but he sounds very gentle. And then as soon as he's in there, he can speak and he's greedy and rude and gluttonous. And I still don't quite understand what he was meant to be or like what his purpose was because you know, he keeps getting ignored by Jahira and that kind of fuels his, I don't know, like, he just wants her attention and I'm not really sure what his purpose was as a character. I think maybe on a second watch I might get more out of it, but um, yeah, I found him a bit of an enigma. <laughs> what do you think, Brenton? He was definitely more approachable to Chihiro, like, if he... Every interaction with Chihiro was different with everyone else. Um, and I'm not really sure why that was. Maybe it was because she left the door open. I, yeah, I don't really know either because it's sort of a character that you want... Everyone else is, is afraid of because this he's a big gluttonous creature in the bathhouse. But she's not really afraid of him because she knows what he truly looks like, I guess. And then mm. when you are outside the bathhouse and you are on the, the train towards the end... Um, He's he's not really that scary. He is approachable and he is nice to Chihiro. So I don't really know. I feel like as that character, you wouldn't be too afraid, even though you're you're not really sure what's going on. I I would like to know what that represents there. It, Same. There's a lot of things that you can read out of it. Yeah, No Face is definitely one of those that has many, many readings. Um, I think one of the more common ones is that he kind of represents like the sudden greed and desire once you're exposed to a lot of things. It's like, oh, suddenly you have all of this. Yeah. And, like, the kind of spiral effect of it. Um, I, I know people love No Face, and it's, it's always kind of weird to me because he kind of, he's really creepy. Yes. He's just like this, he's like that floating guy that's, like, around at a party, and, and you kind of feel bad because he's just there, but it's really hard to engage with him, and he kind of puts all the conversation on you, and you're like, okay, well, I'll do my best to get through this. Um, yeah. And, and so he's just kind of like one of those floaty people and like literally, I mean, he's actually floating, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, and I think maybe one of the reasons Chihiro wasn't very scared of him was, yeah, she saw him before that. But I think at that point she's just gone through so much stuff at that point that she doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. been there, done that. You're not the worst of my problems kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe because it, the whole spirit world is sort of new to her, everyone that she's just like, oh, it's just another spirit, while the people who are from the spirit world know the difference between the good spirits and the bad. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I mean, not, yeah. not even everyone knows, because a lot of those people didn't even know what being a no-face meant. Or Yeah. It wasn't until uh, Yubaba came around and said, uh, you guys, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do like that there's like resolution for no-face, even though it's, mm. it, it is definitely one of the weirder plot lines, and it's kind of harder to understand but i think it's also just like kind of a nice way to build out the world of spirited away and that not everyone is like inherently afraid or wants to eat or has a bad opinion of humans maybe like mm. there's also a curiosity there that's just kind of childlike yeah absolutely i i like the juxtaposition too of that childlike nature of no face and then the very like sinister adult side of him too it's just it's really it's something that you don't see very often, and it was really well portrayed, I thought. It just created this dimension for him that was, you like I said, you just don't see very often. It was cool. Yeah. It's certainly yeah. a unique character. Absolutely. 
Another thing that I picked up on was, I'm trying to think who it was. It was one of the witch ladies. What was her name? Zaniba. Yeah. Uh, she said that if, if you didn't work, she'll turn you to coal. Is that what she said? Because that makes me think, are they, are they burning people? Like, all those soot creatures, are they, like, throwing coal into the fire where there th- used to be people? I think it's inferred that there aren't a lot of humans here. Like, a human in this right. world is a very weird. It's like, yeah. whoa, what? Like, red mm-hmm. alarms, like, what's happening? Um, so she can transform people into things, which is, like, she transformed her parents into pigs. And I think it was just a threat. It's like, why should I hire you, like, you're more worth me to being, like, a lump of coal rather than actually, or, like, a sitzbrite okay, than actually yeah. working. Um, mm. But, you know, that was a big fake out, as you learn, like, and that she has to give people job. But mm. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I felt this movie was very similar to, say, uh, Fantasia, the classic Disney, because that movie relies heavily on visuals, and you've got this choreography and orchestra playing, and I feel like a lot of the shots in this was like, look at this beautiful, stunning shot while listening to this music, because the music is fantastic. Um, Mm. And it just feels a lot like Fantasia in that this is relying more on the art form than it is on a story. Though the story is still there. Yeah, and exactly. Yes. I can I can relate to that too because again in Fantasia you're moving from scene to scene to scene. You know what I mean? And in this you've got a lot of different settings. So you've got Yababa's office, house, and then you've got the baby's room, which is again a very different feel from the rest of her house. And then you've got Zaniba's house and you've got the bathhouse and you've got it's the very fast. room. Like, it just switches real quick, yeah. Yeah, and the marketplace and the field, like, there's just... And they've all got their own distinct feelings, so I can definitely relate to what you're saying there. There's parallels. You were also talking, Danielle, about the hopping lantern at the end when they're in the forest. Yeah! So that is a symbol for Pixar and the relationship that Hayao Miyazaki had with John Lasseter. Yeah, I... Because you thought it was. Yeah, I'm like, it looks like the Pixar lamp. So yeah, and I think that's it was exactly what it was meant to be. That's cool. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, I thought it was really quite nice. A little touch. Mm. Was that supposed to be a thing? Was that yeah, I looked thing? it up. Huh. Yeah, they they had a quite a big relationship from the nineties onwards with John Lasseter. Was obviously the head of Disney Animation for quite a while there. Um, and I thought that was a nice little Studio Ghibli hmm. representation of the Pixar lamp. Yeah, yeah. It's also kind of weird too because when Spirited Away was first put out here, it was backed by Disney or like published by Disney in the states. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so like just all of that coming full circle eventually is just really funny yeah Yeah. hey yeah they helped with the um the the american distribution of the film didn't they or previous uh work yes previously now it's g kids but um g kids is that like a g kids um no g kids is a different distribution company okay they do a lot of stuff i remember watching this again now i was thinking I'm from an architecture background, so I look at the the buildings and the architecture a lot at these, and I just, a big part of me wish that this was a real place, just because it feels so magical, and this, the building itself obviously looks like one of these old uh, Japanese bathhouses, but it's such a labyrinth inside, and it's like just a place full of wonder. Like, if I had lots of money, I would just like want to build this building, because it's got this Japanese, like, carpentry, and it's just... I, I love it when it's just right on the water there. It's a nice, awesome building to just, like, go explore. I don't know. I just... I was really taken aback from the architecture, and, and inside the bathhouse feels comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it might be the Warm lighting as well. Inviting. 
Yeah. Yeah, the design in this is just phenomenal. Like, every really time is. I go back to it, I notice something new and, like, I want to pause something. It's like, look at that little thing they drew in the corner there that you would only see if you paused. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And again, coming back to that detail, it's just crazy. I just wanted to say again, you know, like, this was one. It it surprised me, but not in a shocking way. Like, I was I was happily surprised at how mystical it was. Um, And I really liked it a lot. And I would definitely watch it over and over again um, and recommend it to people who are into that sort of fantastical feeling from movies and books and things that it'll probably give you your little uh, fantasy fix. Why do you think that this movie is so beloved and so praised? Like this is number one on the IMDb for animated movies. Do you think it's the best animated movie? Either of you? It's hard to say if it's the best animated movie because then I have to sit down. It's like, all right, let's yeah. list the best of them. There's so um, yeah. many that are very different. I think it's it's worth the discussion at least. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an incredibly approachable movie. Um, like the themes are really interesting. It's not just a super inherently Japanese film, even though there's very Japanese things about it. Um, mm. It's about, you know, a girl who loses her parents and has to get them back, but also get home. And everyone can relate to that, right? And it's also not mm. scary, so it can't, it won't necessarily drive off kids. But I think the greatest shame in like the US and like just Western media generally is that a lot of animated films are kind of geared toward either super crude humor or children. And that's all you get. Yeah. And while I think that those are still very good and valid, we're missing a lot of things in what the medium can do as far mm-hmm. as sto- storytelling goes and by limiting ourselves to that, which is why I think a lot of people like me love anime so much. And this is one of those few things that got super popular and said, oh, well, look what animation can do. And, like, of course, you got this fantastic studio behind it with a great director, great story. Um, and it just kind of all came together. And I think that gave it a lot of notoriety. Mm. I like your phrase earlier where you said that it's a gateway into anime and Studio Ghibli's work because because it has all those elements there. It's not too obscure in a Japanese way. It's it's very inviting and it has these themes that people can relate to. So it's a great stepping stone to get into the genre. Yeah. And so I think that's, yeah. that's just one of the things that draws people to it. Also, it's just really such a fantastic movie. And I think it's... Um, some of Ghibli's stories aren't fantastic like they're still wonderful to watch like one of those is Howl's Moving Castle I love it but the story is it's kind of a little weird at times like some of the flow is. is a little weird um but I do love the art in that though yes. like that that's always something I can take away from these even if even if the story or the characters don't appeal to me as much as some others I love just watching it yeah, or listening to the music in it it's a Ghibli movie like you know what you're gonna mm. get like a yes. certain baseline there that's really exciting and so I think um one of the reasons again that this has become one of the bigger ones is because it not only has a full package of like just being a fantastic movie but also it's really approachable so like some of them, like uh, Princess Mononoke, it's like very violent, and mm. you know if you go take your kids to that, you'd be like, wait, what the heck? I thought this is like an animated thing, which it yeah. is, but it's you know a little bit different. Um, whereas Totoro is like rather childish, and so then you get this, which is it has its dark themes, but it's just really approachable again. Mm. So, I think both of those titles are also in the top one hundred, so we'll be, we'll be oh, covering sure those in the next yeah. couple of months. <laughs> yeah, so um, we'll definitely have the perspective on that. Have you seen those? Have either of you seen I have this? seen Totoro. I haven't seen Princess Mononoke. <gasps> Ooh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I haven't. I haven't seen either of them, so I'll be excited to to give them a go for sure. Have you seen much anime before, Danielle? 
Or is this like um, the first? This is this isn't the first first, but I think it's like the f- definitive dipping of the toe into the pool that it is. You know what I mean? So I mean, um, I'm n- notorious for seeing bits and pieces of things and never seeing them in com- complete context. So this will be the starting of me seeing more animated anime movies in complete context. Awesome. Yeah. Do you have anything else you'd like to say, Miranda? Um, I think we're good. I definitely don't want to get into too many like spoiler things. Like I could break this down this movie all day. So I yeah. think, I, but I think we're at a good spot. Yeah, a lot okay, of it cool. is open for interpretation as well. Oh, for sure. It's, it's whatever you personally take away from it. Um, and I think that's really quite a skill to be able to make a movie where, yes. or art in general. I think art should people should be able to take away what they want to take away from from certain things just by looking at it. And everyone has a different perception just by looking at the same thing. I think that's that's really cool, um, and it's hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm pretty happy with how this went. Well, thanks for joining us, Miranda. Yeah, um, absolutely. Awesome to have your perception on this um, because you've you seen it a lot on. more than us. <laughs> I just feel like we wouldn't have been able to do it justice because people love this movie. It is a great movie and we've only seen it a couple of times between us. So mm. um, thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I am on IGN's weekly Xbox show. It's called Podcast Unlocked. So we don't really talk about anime or movies that much, but we do talk about video games. So I'm on that. Does IGN have an anime podcast? Well, we used to. We used to have one called IGN Anime Club. Um, We're looking at things with that. We'll see if we can bring it back. It's just uh, a matter of me juggling both games and anime stuff can get a little heavy. So we'll see. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I can imagine. But um, I do talk about like... I'm starting up my Twitch stuff back again, and I talk about anime and stuff on there, too. So, yeah. Cool. Also, I just did wanted to give some appreciation to you because we've only ever really had guests on here who have been older males, and it's nice to have a refreshing young female take on film, really, because we don't really get that. Um, and we were guests on another podcast a few weeks ago, and they were also males. So uh, it's, it's nice to have another female on the show for once. Yeah, thank you. I certainly appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I always love seeing other women on shows. I'm just like, yay. <laughs> um, but yeah. thank you for having me on again. We have been Daniel and Brenton this week. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on all the socials and comment on SoundCloud. And until next week, thanks for listening. So, Brenton, Beautiful. I don't know if you want to do another sync or whatever you want to do. I, uh, it's fine. I can, I can easily do it. Um, okay. Yeah, it kind of worked out well anyway because mm-hmm. we usually like to loosely go along with the movies as they appear on the IMDb list. And in the last week or so, Spirited Away has swapped with Saving Private Ryan. So, we're like, well, we'll just push it out a week. It's fine. <laughs> so, um, ah. last weekend uh, kind of worked out really well. The list has just gone haywire in the last week, week and a half. It's just so many things have switched places. We're not really sure why, but, you know, it works out well for us, so. Those summer movie binges, everyone's changing their minds. Yeah, Yeah, especially with the the new Lion King movie. um, Mm, That changed up a lot of the Lion King. People just went on there and voted everything. Right. Uh, Lion King's dropped a bunch of places, so it's more of a rough guide as to where we're following along with. Okay.